Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning, church. It is such a joy to share the word with you this morning. Um, Bill and I love to uh, team teach, and so he will be sharing the second half of the sermon this morning, but I will start it off for us. So um, we are continuing this Kingdom Parables series um, where we're taking each week and, and studying an attribute of the kingdom of heaven. And this was obviously very important to Jesus that his followers would get it. Um, and, and so he used several parables to say, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And, um, and, and he would use a lot of metaphors and analogy. And so, uh, each week we're taking one and, and looking and, and learning about it. And so last week, Pastor Jimmy talked about the value of the kingdom, um, that it's the most valuable treasure that there is, and it's worth selling all to attain. And, um, this week we are going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. And the big idea today, the thing that we're going to um, really hit home today, is the fact that the kingdom of heaven is working, and it cannot be stopped. Yeah. And so I think, you know, if Jesus was talking so much about the kingdom, then it must not have been obvious that the method of the kingdom wasn't obvious. It was, it was so different than the culture that, that was obvious, that they were living in. And um, he, would, he would share these stories, and it was so unexpected. You know, he, the kingdom of heaven is, is like a, a, a mustard seed? Like what? This tiny little seed? And so um, it's kind of, it just shifts our thinking, and it's so good to do. So we're going to look at that this morning. Our passage comes from Luke 13. 18 through 21, so I'll go ahead and read that. He said, therefore, this is Jesus speaking, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew, and it became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I'm going to talk about the mustard seed. Bill's going to talk about the leaven. All right, so if you can imagine Jesus, he's, he's with his followers, and he's, what can I compare this to? Hmm, I know, a mustard seed. And um, a mustard seed, mustard was commonly grown in their gardens, and so this would have uh, been a seed that they would have been very familiar with. It is only about one to maybe three millimeters big, so it's very, very small. And um, in fact, the smallest uh, of, of seeds that would have been commonly grown in a garden. And the interesting thing about the mustard seed is that you could plant it and see growth the next day. Um, and there are, um, it would not need any cultivating, or it, it just sprouts by itself. You put it in good garden soil, and it's going to grow, and it's going to sprout. And there are very few plants that would grow so large in one single season as a mustard. 
And so it would grow so large in one season, it can grow up to 10 feet tall. And um, there were not um, a lot of large trees in Israel that that wasn't like a, like we have huge trees here, right? And so a 10 foot, we're like, oh, that's okay. But it would have been uh, dramatic. And as the mustard plant grows, the stem kind of dries out, becomes wood-like, is very tree-like um, as it matures and grows. So as I'm explaining this mustard, how many of you are starting to see some parallels to the kingdom of heaven? Yeah. Okay, so I have a mustard seed for you. And um, I, okay, truth is this is not a real mustard seed. But um, I uh, paper mache one for you. Um, no, I didn't do that either. But I, but I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I put a lot of work into this object lesson that you can't even see? So anyway, it's really just like the world's smallest spitball because I tore a little piece off of my notes and tried to make it look like a seed. So that's kind of weird. But there you go. Mustard seed. Okay, so, so what, is, what is Jesus wanting us to learn about the kingdom of heaven from, from the seed? So the first thing, that the kingdom of God began very small. One, one baby Jesus born, one man's ministry, Jesus is that small seed. And, um, and, and another thing that I think Jesus is wanting his uh, listeners to understand in the moment is right before he shared this parable, he had just healed a crippled woman who had been crippled and um, he, he delivered her from the spirit of infirmity. She'd been hunched over for 11 years. And so there's this miracle. She's standing up. She's whole. And his followers are just like, wow, they're blown away by this miracle. And then she just comes right in with this what you see today, you're impressed with this, this is actually small. This is just a small taste of what this is going to become and, and how amazing it's going to be. Um, and so, and then we see that the kingdom, um, although starts very small, grows so fast. The next day there's growth um, when you plant the seed. And so this is a fast-growing kingdom. Um, and, it, and it takes over the garden. It can get up to 10 feet tall. And so if you could imagine this herb garden, right? How many of you have grown herbs? You know, you've got your little basil and your oregano, and, and then you've got your mustard. Like, it, it would just almost be comical how dominating and big it would become. But that is the kingdom. You can't miss it. You can't, um, it can't be ignored. It's, it's dominating the whole world. And it's just reach far-reaching. Um, and so another aspect of this mustard plant, um, that part in there where it says the birds of the air made nests in its branches, um, that would have been fulfilling the scriptures from Daniel 4.21 and Ezekiel 17.22 that talks about um, the birds of the air coming and finding rest in the branches. And... Um, and that speaks, the birds speaks of all the different peoples, all the nations from all over the world coming to the, to the kingdom of God, to this, to this tree to find um, peace and, and truth and rest and, 
and come under the shelter of a king who is good in this kingdom. And so we see um, God's love for everybody. God loves everybody. He's for um, all the nations. And doesn't that sound similar to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So although Jesus was speaking to Jews when he told this parable, right in there, you know, he's saying, hey, this is for Gentiles. This is for everyone. This is for the outcast. This is, you know, for everybody. And, um, and so, so God is at work. This kingdom of heaven is on the move, it's growing, it's impacting lives. Pastor Cameron shared a statistic with me this week that I had no idea. He said that um, every single day, 170,000 people are saved in, worldwide. And so that's the population of Kalamazoo. Oh, okay, population of Kalamazoo County uh, getting saved today. And, and we'll, we'll get saved tomorrow and got saved yesterday. Just like, wow, God, your good news, the message of Jesus is good news. And people need good news all over the world. They need to hear that there is a good God who cares about them, who loves them, who created them, who, who isn't changing their mind. He, he's, he's always good, and he saves, and he heals and restores, forgives sins, sets people free, breaks the bondage, breaks the chains that hold us back and, and keep us um, crippled. And so um, it's just amazing the work that he's doing. And um, so I was thinking about the work that he's done just in our little New Day church in the, in the last couple of months and even in the last year and how I know of people who, um, you know, grew up uh, being rejected and, and just felt um, like they could never be accepted and um, never experienced what it was to be loved and included and wanted and the healing that they were able to receive from that, from that rejection and, and healing from the Lord. And it's beautiful to see that in their life. Um, people who were maybe neglected growing up and mistreated by their earthly parents coming into relationship with a God, with a parent who is good and who is safe and who is loving, that lives are being changed. Um, people who were worshiping other gods and who um, were in bondage and in pain because they weren't worshiping the true king and uh, coming into relationship with God and, and having a changed life and being restored. And so it, it's, it, the kingdom is working. And um, so you guys want to hear a story of how, what God's doing in, in Turkey? Cameron, what's that? Oh, okay. So, so this is amazing. He, he told the staff, some stories this week. He, about a week and a half ago, he was in Izmir, Turkey. And um, I said, oh, can I tell those stories? <laughs> I think people would want to hear them. They're really good. So he said, I could. Um, so he, so um, New Day is part of an association of churches called Partners in Harvest. And so Partners in Harvest has churches all over the world. And our lead pastor, Cameron, is 
um, has, a, has a lead role in Partners in Harvest, and so he often travels and will go to Partners in Harvest churches, you know, everywhere. And so he's friends with the pastors of the church there in Izmir and was going to help them with a few things. And um, it was just so exciting to see how God was working in this country where, you know, you're not allowed to talk about Christianity or God. You know, it's against the law. And this church is located right in the main thoroughfare where you have to walk between the train station and the main downtown area. So there's just hundreds and thousands of people that walk past this church every, every week. And um, it's just packed. He showed us pictures. It's just packed with people. And while you can't evangelize and you can't share the good news, the kingdom is growing there anyway. This church has its door opened. And there's Bibles and tracts on the windowsills. And so people are getting them. They're reading them. They're walking in. Every day people walk in and say, tell us about Jesus. And they get saved. And, and, and will you pray for me? And, um, and he said while he was there, sure enough, three people walked in and said, tell us about Jesus. And uh, it's just so powerful. He talked about their Friday night meetings are really amazing times of worship and deliverance and testimonies and this man testified that just two weeks before uh, Jesus had appeared to him in a vision he saw Jesus at the train station I mean this kingdom is growing he Jesus appearing to this man he, he, he said I'm a very religious I was following every rule and regulation, uh, you know, that he was, and, and he's, Jesus is my king now. He's, you know, he, you can't deny when Jesus appears to you. So it's just amazing to see how God is doing it, and it, it's his kingdom, and he's growing it, and, and, and he invites us to be a part of it, but he's the source, right? He's the vine. We're the branches, and when we stay in him, when we abide, when we remain in him, that is when we're going to bear fruit and be a part of what the kingdom is doing. Um, it, you know, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If we don't stay plugged into that vine, we don't get to be a part of the amazing things that, that the kingdom of God is doing. All right, so there's the mustard seed. You ready to hear about the leaven? All right, Bill. Good stuff, Marilee. Thanks. So do you want to hear a funny story about mustard as we transition from one passage to the next? We were camping this summer, and our uh, little niece, Caroline, uh, was with us, and we were catching frogs in nets by the pond. And uh, her dad thought, you know, why don't we roast one of these up and, and try frog legs? And uh, so he was kind of dealing with that and, and walking uh, to go do something with prepping frog. And she's like, you going to put some mustard on that frog? And so that was the line of the whole week, and maybe for another year or many, many years, put some mustard on that frog. <laughs> she says the funniest things. Love that little girl. Um, so let's transition to the next passage here. It is about to be up on the screen. Verses 20 and 21 of Luke 13. And again, Jesus said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. 
So Marilee talked about how uh, from the smallest seed, the kingdom of God is growing and branching out and things are happening all over the world and they have been um, for many, many years. And um, I think here, this turns it inward and it says, you know what, the kingdom of God is transformational from the inside out to leaven or yeast um, goes into a bread dough and stuff happens from the inside out. And a very small amount of yeast can work through a large batch of dough. So the same, similar sentiment is coming through in this passage. Um, three measures of flour equates to like uh, enough to feed 100 people. So a lot of bread dough. And just a little bit of yeast works all through it. Um, but I want to kind of present to you this idea that, you know what, the kingdom of God is not just a set of rules. It's not just concepts that we agree with or uh, rules that we follow, um, but the kingdom of God, as Jesus presented it, came with a way of thinking, with a set of beliefs, but it came with power as well. He demonstrated the power of the kingdom of God in healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and setting people free, um, and ultimately rising from the dead himself and, and living at the right hand of the Father. He's alive, and so um, there is power, but I think that the yeast here um, we can really get something from thinking of it in terms of a belief system or an idea, an ideology that Jesus was bringing to the table. Um, you know, in the first century AD, you know, like 2,000 years ago when he showed up, there were these religious leaders of the day, the Jewish leaders, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, who studied the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the law, and they had all these rules and traditions of how you be Jewish. I don't know if that's good grammar. I are an engineer, so forgive me. Uh, but how you be Jewish is this, 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 and this. And they had this whole set of, of rules. And it was based on what God had given in the Old Testament, right? This is how you interact with God. This is how you be my people. This is how, you know, you show the holiness of God, the presence of God with you. This is what the tabernacle and the temple represents. All this stuff was good and from God, but it had become something that Jesus referred to as a whitewashed tomb. It was dead on the inside the way they were applying it. It looked good on the outside, but it was dead on the inside. It lacked the power. It lacked the true heart of God. And Jesus came with an ideology that challenged all that, that actually blew it up. Like, blew it up. He said, you're getting it all wrong. It's about the heart of the issue. These things were to point you to the heart of God and to your heart in response to God. And, and he wanted to bring something totally different. Um, <clears throat> so we see this in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, this isn't, this isn't it. They don't have it. And then he goes on to say all of these. You've heard that it was said, but I tell you, heard that it was said, but I tell you. You've heard that it was said, but I, was, I tell you. So all these teachings and traditions from the religious elite, he'd say, this is what you've heard them say, but here's the truth. And he always turns it to the heart of the matter, to the heart of the individual, to how we interact with God on a personal level and personal transformation. So I'll just read you a couple. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, but anyone, I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. Um, You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who even looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. 
You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And it kind of ends this whole series of blowing up their ideals with be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that word means complete, finished. He said, this is the work of God, finished. is to take what you, what you hear, what you know, process it in your heart, and become the kind of person that, that's presented. And I just want to tell a little story to tell you how our beliefs or what we think can affect our life and how we live. This story comes from a little coon hound at home named Moo. He's named that because he's black and white like the markings on a cow. He's our coon hound. We, he's about eight years old. And um, we moved one year ago, and at the old house and at the new, Mumu has this underground fence system. So you run a wire, how to set one of these up, you run a wire from the transmitter unit in your garage around your property, and then you put a shot collar on the dog, and then you train the dog, hey, you put flags out so he knows where the boundary is. It's not cruel and unusual, I promise. Uh, it's more a training thing and a reminder if you forget to follow the rules. And... Um, so it keeps him inside his boundaries. So in this new house, we have this backyard that's big, and it's beautiful, and it's wooded. So we ran this wire way back into the woods. So he's got in the backyard this grassy area, which is awesome. And then he's got their squirrels running through there, you know what I mean? It's good stuff. And then there's this whole wooded area behind the grassy area for Moo. Now, selfishly, I would love for him to do his business back there. You know, that would be great. We'll just do it in the woods. I won't have to scoop it up out of the grass where the kids play and stuff. Didn't work out that way. Um, because Mumu believes that his boundary ends at the end of the grassy area. He doesn't know that the woods is his. And then it got worse recently. Something happened. I don't know if, um, you know, we had a chainsaw running one day to cut down this big overgrown bushy tree. And uh, maybe it scared him. When it fell, who knows what? He's a little skittish. And now, he won't even go into the backyard. So we let him out on this deck, and he goes down these stairs to the ground level, and there's a landing of, like, wood platform and brick and a little planting area. He pees in the little garden because he won't go out in the grass. He, he goes to the edge of the, the brick landing, and I swear, he sticks his rear out from the brick onto the grass and just drops it there. There's all these piles right there within one foot of the brick because he's scared to death. Mike is here. Micah and I tried to coax him into the yard to, like, retrain him. We, Micah set a treat on every other step down the stairs. He wouldn't even come down to us because he knew what was up. We were trying to call him out into the yard. But his beliefs, well, Mumu, he believes something bad is going to happen if he goes into the grassy area. And before that, if he went into the woods. And so it has changed his whole life. I feel so sorry for him. What a pathetic life. You know, <laughs> he needs inner healing. <laughs> but what a pathetic life he lives because of what he believes, because of what he thinks, what's going on between his doggy ears. He believes it's true that something bad will happen if he goes out there. But what is, what's the truth? Marilee and I spent the time and money to provide this amazing yard for him, and he's not taking advantage of it. I bet you can see where I'm going. Right? The teachings of Jesus, the way that he taught us to think, the, the way he taught us to view God and our relationship to God is transformational. You know, if we are like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it just becomes this empty system or a way to assert yourself in a hierarchy above others. Or maybe like the tax collectors who just go, this is, you know, I, 
I'm not a teacher of the law. There's nothing in it for me. I'm going to get rich collecting taxes. You know, it's either irrelevant or, or dead inside. And, and, uh, but if we see God for who he is, if we agree with the kingdom of God and the ways of thinking of the kingdom, it has the power to transform us. <clears throat> so um, I just want to show you a little video. It's about 26 seconds long. It's from a movie called Inception. Would you raise your hand if you've seen that movie? Okay, so about half and half. I just want to explain the plot a little bit. The idea of the movie is that um, the main character played by Leonardo DiCaprio, I can't believe you haven't seen it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it too. I mean, come on. All right, um, the main character, Leo here, is he goes into people's dreams, which is crazy. And in this scene, he's trying to convince a guy to hire him to, to go into someone else's dreams, a corporate rival, the guy who owns the other big company. Leo wants to go into his dreams for a price and convince that other guy to sell his business. So he wants to go in and plant this idea to make it seem like it was the guy's own idea. And so in this scene, there's this exchange where um, Leo's character is talking about the power of an idea, okay? Did I set the stage pretty good there? All right, here it comes. So I just want to say again what he said in case it was hard to understand. He said, what's the most resilient parasite? A virus, an intestinal worm? Pretty gross. No, an idea. It's resilient. It's highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it is almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. And it's so true. Um... There are actually studies that show that, um, that we look for evidence to reinforce the ideas we already have. Ideas are sticky. A belief system is sticky. It's called confirmation bias. You ignore the evidence to the contrary of the things you already believe. Right. Just talk to anybody who's really active on Facebook and you'll know what I mean. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. <laughs> But we look for people who believe like we believe. We look for evidence, um, you know, of the people that we look up to to show that they believe what we believe, that they're for what we're for, and we ignore things to the contrary or vice versa. The, you know, our en enemies are people that stand for things we don't like in the world. We see all the evidence that they're so bad, they're so bad, and we miss evidence to the contrary. And it happens in things simple and large. And so a belief system gets entrenched, it affects how we live. It affects how we see the world. And that's the point that we're making here. And Jesus understood this. That's why he said, um, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees to his disciples. And they didn't understand. They thought he was talking about bread. <laughs> but eventually they got it. And they realized 
um, he was talking about the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's in Matthew 16. Paul talks about it when he writes the letter to the Galatians. This was, these were uh, people who had received the gospel, were living in freedom, and Paul was just, I think, brokenhearted that they had given up their freedom to follow the rules, to try to make themselves Jewish instead of Christian, to go back to following these traditions, these special days, the circumcision and all this stuff. And he's like, no, you're missing it. And as he's writing the letter, he says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So there's these negative examples of a belief system that will lead you down the wrong path. But when we come back to our um, verse, which I have down here, that's okay, no worries. You know, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And it works through the whole batch of dough to transform it. So did you know what yeast does? I didn't, so I googled it. I spent a lot of time this week looking at videos of making sourdough bread at home. <laughs> and all kinds of weird facts I could, I could uh, tell you about. Yeast and starters, some people call it the mother, and the and the sponge, and you can catch wild yeast, all this stuff that I, we don't have time for. I'm sorry. It's a shame. But yeast, when it works in the dough, it feeds on the sugars that are there. This is a living organism that feeds on the sugars in the dough, and something happens. Fermentation, a chemical reaction is going on. It's eating and it's putting something out, just like we do, just like Momo does. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> what... What the yeast puts out is CO2, carbon dioxide. It's, it's a gas, right? And um, it starts to make the dough rise, right? And, and it gets, the CO2 gets captured inside of the dough. It transforms the dough. So if we didn't put yeast in our bread, it wouldn't rise. It wouldn't be fluffy and flaky, that, like, amazing, almost, I like it almost gooey. I want it cooked, okay? I want it cooked. Not, not raw dough, but almost like gooey, just so soft. You can just like squish it and dip it into the bottom of a bowl of chili or tomato soup. Oh man, it's lunchtime. <laughs> you know, and that's bread as it was designed to be. But it needs the yeast to make that transformation, yes. right? And that's how it is with us. God designed us to live a certain way, to live in relationship with him, in relationship with others in a certain way. And the yeast... The concepts of the kingdom have to work their way into us. And they're full of power. It's not just an idea. It's not just a human idea like old Leo's talking about in the video there. You know, it's not just Mumu understanding where his boundaries are, but it's the kingdom of God, the power of God at work in each of us will transform us. Just like Marilyn mentioned, it's transforming the whole world as it branches out. So, Let's just take a second to respond to the kingdom of God moving around the world and to welcome the kingdom of God to move inside our hearts.